Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Okay, so today we are in uh, back in the book, this little book of Obadiah, and we'll be looking, our schedule today is verses 4 through 9. And the reason I don't give you a chapter is, again, this little book of Obadiah only has one chapter. And as we were saying last time, um, one of the biggest things that God hates is pride. Pride is one of the things that we said last time would one of the things that God hates more than anything else. And uh, we, we read Proverbs last time, Proverbs six sixteen. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Verse 17 of uh, Proverbs chapter 6, haughty eyes or prideful eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet, that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. The first thing was haunty, prideful eyes. That word haunty, we talked about all the different things that haunty uh, could mean, you know, anywhere from um, um, raising up high, mighty, lifted up, exalted, reaching high, you know, eyes that draw one away from oneself. Eyes that um, sort of betray what the heart is thinking. And so God does not like a, a, a prideful heart. He despises it. He hates a prideful heart because a prideful heart takes you right away from what's important. And the important thing is um, to keep a heart centered on Christ, a heart centered to please God. That's what's important. That's what we need. And remember when we were back in in uh, Second Peter, <clears throat> the things that supplement our faith <clears throat> are the qualities of Christ. And we saw that in chapter 1, 5 through 8. The first thing is knowledge of Christ. And then this, the, then after knowledge comes virtue, a virtuous heart. That means a heart centered on Christ, not centered on yourself, but a heart centered on, 
uh, on Christ's virtues, Christ's qualities. And if and if we don't repent, you know, that means repent from our sins, but also the word repent means turning to Christ. So we're repenting, we're turning away from ourselves and turning to Christ. So if we say we're repenting by turning away from sin, but we're not turning to Christ, we're really not repenting. In our heart, really, the virtue is really not there. We're just, we're, you know, we can always say we don't want to sin anymore, but to really repent means we have to turn to Christ. Our heart has to be still centered on Christ, not centered on ourselves. If we repent from sin and we're not centered on Christ, we're still repenting, we're still turning away from sin, but we're still self-centered. And then after the virtuous heart comes the self-control, which is controlling of the pride. And being steadfast, that means being patient. And then being having God godliness which is our character you can't get godliness until you control yourself and control your patience you have godliness and then brotherly affection that's your character that's your kindness and then and only then can you show love the love of christ then and only then with the knowledge of christ a virtuous heart self-controlling your own pride self-controlling your own patience with steadfastness? Can you display godliness in your character and brotherly affection in the kind of kindness that you display? And then and only then can you bring a harvest of love in what you do, like Christ brought a harvest. So, we look at this, we look at pride, we look at uh, Obadiah, you know, the prophet Obadiah. He's talking to these people in Edom, who are descendants of Esau. And in verse 3, we said last time, the pride of your heart has deceived you. And this was a very, um, you know, powerful people. Um the pride of one's heart has deceived you. Pride is what God hates more than anything else. The pride of our hearts today can deceive us. So we are looking at the remnants of a people, the remnants of um, a powerful people, a city that, you know, you could make an argument that was like no other. And today we see the evidence of this city, one of the cities, um, that God's talking about, you know, in Edom. Now, Edom, this nation of Edom no longer exists because God is prophesying through Obadiah here that he's going to bring down this um, nation of Edom. And he's going to bring them down because of their prideful hearts. And even today, um, you know, the nation of Edom doesn't even exist. It is, you know, in modern-day Jordan now. And one of the the um, the tourist attractions, even today, you can Google it, is the lost city of Petra. 
Okay, and it's supposed to be now one of the seven new wonders of the world. This city was built out of stone in a canyon, and it's it's really impressive when you look at it. They had theaters, and, and uh, they had um, areas for um, uh, banking, and, you know, of course, the living was in the City of the Rock, and they had the treasury there, and they had a place to to worship there, or they were sacrificing animals there, apparently. Um, but um, there's just a bunch of stuff that was there, you know. And some of the history, as I was researching for this uh, podcast, is you know this land uh, after you know the you know after Esau, you know, you know fought with his brother uh, Jacob over the birthright, you know, uh, Esau, you know, sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He was hungry, and he was more confident in himself than trying to get the birthright that uh, from his father. And he really didn't have a heart to please God or to, or to, um, to seek out God. He was more concerned about his own stomach or his own plans, and he was more impressed with his own personal strength because he was a big, strong guy, stronger than Jacob was. He was more of a hunter kind of guy. So he placed his own confidence in himself. He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And then he fought. He got mad because then he felt like he got cheated out of his birthright. You know, when he got hungry again, there was no more soup. And then he realized what he was chasing after was just temporary didn't last. So he crosses back over the Jordan River. He goes back over on the on the eastern side. You know, he leaves the promised land and he settles in Edom. Of course, the Edomites now are sort of the descendants of Esau. So in this prophecy, Obadiah interchangeably substitutes Esau's name, referencing um the Edomites. So he sort of goes to the past to reference <clears throat> this nation of Edom. And he also goes to the future because he talks about uh, the grandson of Esau. As we'll see in verse 9, he says, Oh, Timon. Timon, he's talking about Timon. He's the grandson of Esau. So he talks about um, this nation of Edom in the past and in, even in the future. The future that perhaps things that haven't even um, occurred or in historical times, um, he's talking about perhaps uh, from beginning to end or maybe later in the history. So um, he's talking many times about um, the nation of uh, Edom in the past since. Even though it hasn't occurred yet, even though the downfall hasn't occurred yet, he's, he references the downfall as if it has already occurred. And I think that's some of the re- interesting uh, prophecy uh, type of things that I'm picking up. Uh, my study Bible points it out too, that it's interesting from God's perspective. God's talking about it like it's, it's already going to happen. It's fact. And um, from God's perspective, God talks with an eternal perspective, doesn't he?
And I also thought that, you know, this pride of our hearts deceives us today if we are like Esau, if we put uh, faith in our own physical abilities, you know, and how much of that is going on even today with this coronavirus, this pandemic, how easy is it for us to put our faith in our physical abilities? How easy is it to put our faith in our finances? I think today, you know, we we can get ourselves in a whole lot of trouble when we when we put our faith in our finances and we don't put our faith in the Lord. Finances don't mean security. We can put our faith in our social situation or what we've managed to accomplish in life. We can put our faith in that. We can put our faith in our good name and our good reputation. That is so tempting. That is so, so um, slippery slope. (laughs) That is such a slippery slope. And I have to confess, it is... It feels really good when people say nice things about you. feels really good when, um, when you do something and you get positive feedback or you do something and the world likes it or you get a compliment from the world. And, you know, you, you, you don't... Sometimes it's, it's so easy to, to see yourself as living in the world. If you're a Christian, you ought to, you know, we are told don't... Don't, don't see yourself as living in the world. You're living sort of as an exile in the world. You are, don't allow yourself to get snared into all the worldly thinking. That's the worst thing you can do because what that does is then that makes you self-reliant. You don't need to be self-reliant. God is telling you to be God-reliant, relying on Him for everything that you have. And whatever you receive, you you uh, you thank God as if as is a blessing from Him. You even bless your food. That's why you say a blessing over your food. Your food comes from Him. So the pride of your heart has deceived you, and this is an this is a case in point from a people that have that have just relied on their own pride. So you know historically. Edom's land eventually does get conquered by the Babylonians. And this is what Obadiah is going to be referencing here. You know, people are going to come in. He's telling the the Edomites that you're going to be conquered. And even though your city is considered impenetrable, and when you Google the lost city of Petra, I mean, it's, it's impressive. And it was built in a canyon. The entrance to Petra is a very narrowed entrance through this canyon. So it was probably very, very easy to defend because you're, you're basically any invading army would have to pretty much line up single file and come in. And then you could whack them off one by one as they're trying to come in and attack you. It, it really um, would have greatly reduced the um, offensive capabilities of an army. Just the, the, the boundaries entering this holy, the, I mean, this lot, this, this city. So, um, you know, he's telling them the Babylonians are going to, you know, you're going to be conquered. And then, of course, the Babylonians did. They conquered Jerusalem too because Jerusalem was prideful. But God says that 
you know, Jerusalem is is going to be revived, and Edom will not. So God hates pride wherever it's coming from, whether whether it's coming from Jerusalem or whether it's coming from Edom. But God chooses his people for his purposes. And the Edomites had no heart for God. And uh, so uh, the Edomites will not survive. So eventually, you know, they get conquered by the Babylonians. And then the I think it's pronounced Nabithians. Then, and these were people that sort of settled in Edom after the Babylonians conquered it. And then after a period of time, the Nabithians were conquered by the Romans. Then the Romans come in. Of course, they were attacked by the Greeks. They defended the city. Then the Romans came in and attacked. The Romans were finally able to crack into this place and conquer it. The Romans ruled there for a period of time. And then this city and I'm kind of zoning in on the on the lost city of Petra here, was destroyed by a massive earthquake. So even the Romans couldn't hold on to it. And then it was left uninhabitable. And then the Byzantines came in and took it over, and, and they stayed there about 300 years, but it's completely abandoned. They left it for abandoned. And then nomadic Arab tribes, the Bedouins, came in and lived in the caves like nomads. And then the world, I think one of the, um, one of the world organizations uh, ran them out, and now they just sort of keep it for um, tours. And uh, so Petra is referred to as one of the um, seven new wonders of the world, but it's also referred to as the lost city, the lost city of Petra. And so even today, um, you know, it's a, it is, nobody lives there. And the people of Edom have been scattered, and, and they're no more. They're no more. The pride of your heart has deceived you. And then I, something, you know, I was, I was listening to um, John Piper's podcast, uh, and one of his podcasts earlier was about pride and um he he referenced John chapter 12 verse 25 and I thought it was really really interesting when Jesus was getting ready to to be taken away um the soldiers were there to uh take him away to go to the cross what does Jesus say what what does Jesus say when he's getting ready to go to the cross John 1223 and Jesus answered them the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified truly truly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit for whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life if anyone serves me he must follow me and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Whoever loses his life, excuse me, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What's he saying? He's saying, hates his life in this world. 
you you can't love your life in this world. You have to, you know, you cannot have your heart centered on this world. You can't be prideful in your heart. You can't have your sense of self in this world centered on this world. Christ said you've got to hate the prideful heart that loves this world. And that would mean loving the adulation from other people, loving the money that you might have in this world, loving the prestige in this world that you might have, loving the physical pleasures of this world, whether it's a full belly like Esau loved, whether it's um, your physical strength and your abilities, perhaps loving your good health to the point where if you don't have good health, you're going to be depressed. Placing your faith in perhaps the knowledge in this world and not God's knowledge. Placing your faith in the beautiful cities and the beautiful architecture and, you know, all of the technology that society produces. Just like the people who lived in this lost city of Petra did. Placing your faith in all this world has to offer and all of the, the, the modern conveniences. Or perhaps it was the, the banking system. Just like the lost city of Petra had the treasury there, or the theater, they had the theater there. Or placing your faith in all of the, the religious ceremonies. Lost city of Petra had those too. You're placing your faith in going through a ceremony rather than giving your heart to the Lord. God doesn't want these religious rituals. God wants a repentant heart. Jesus says you have to hate all that in this world. You have to lose your life to this world so that you can find your life in Him, in eternal life. And so the pride of your heart of the Edomites deceived them, and their hearts were not centered on God. They were centered on all of these things in their world. And the, and the warning is for us today, too. This warning that Obadiah gives is, you know, you know echoes right uh, to Jesus Christ. And the, the last thing that Jesus said before he was going to the cross, you know, is probably his last, you know, some of the last words that, that he spoke to his disciples, because after that, when the Romans took him away, he wouldn't talk to them anymore. You know, he was getting ready to go through the trial and his crucifixion, so it's not like he's got any other time to talk to them. So he says, the hour has come. This is after a night of prayer that Jesus was spent praying alone. But he's telling them, his last instructions to them what where their hearts need to be and what your heart has to you have to keep your heart centered on him if anyone serves me he must follow me where i am that's where my servants will be 
If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. <clears throat> You've got to serve Christ. No one comes to the Father except through me. He gives his last sentence here. He, it's almost like a mini sermon. If anyone serves me, you must follow me. Where I am, there will, my, where, there will be my servant also. You want to follow Christ? You have to follow Him in your heart. You have to give your whole heart to Him. And you have to repent away from sin and to Him. That's a repentant heart. So now with that perspective, let's take a look at verse 4 through 9. Though you soft, though, though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. In other words, these people are living high and mighty and lofty, and they think themselves are high and mighty and lofty. And just like you set your nest among the stars, McGee points out that that's like a reference to what Satan was trying to do. Satan was trying to set up, you know, and be greater than God, even in heaven, and God brought him down from the heavens. From the stars. And and when mankind thinks that they are better than they are, trying to set their uh it's almost like setting your own um headquarters up, you know, setting your own thing. It's like you're trying to be you you know prideful, just like Satan was trying to be prideful. Setting your nest on the in the stars. Only God is exalted, not man. And when man tries to exalt himself, God says, no, that's pride. Be very, very careful. Uh, verse 5, If these came, came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? These are kind of rhetorical questions. He's saying, you know, if if thieves came to rob you and plunderers came, they would leave some things. You know, they're not going to take every single thing. But I am. But I will. He says, if grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave the gleanings? He says, but rhetorically, but I am not going to leave anything behind. I'm going to take everything you have. Verse 6, how Esau has been pillaged, his treasuries sought out. He's talking about the nation of Edom now as a person of Esau. And he's talking about as if it had already happened. It's been pillaged. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Okay? So the people that you're placing your faith in that are going to help protect you, nope. In the end, they're not going to help you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. There will be people who conquer you, and they'll be eating the bread it's grown on your own land. They'll be eating your bread. You have no understanding. And you don't even understand that it's going to happen. And you don't even understand why 
It's because your heart is set on yourself. You're ignorant. You don't understand me. You don't understand the Lord. Verse 8, Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? He says he's going to destroy everything. On that day, and that kind of refers to another reference of the day of the Lord. But when the Lord's day comes, judgment, this is judgment, a reference to judgment, will destroy everything you have, including your own wisdom and your own understanding. I'm I'm going to destroy your wealth, things that you put your faith in. I'm going to destroy your relationships, things that you put your faith in. I'm going to destroy your wisdom, things that you put your faith in. Verse 9, And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Timon, that's the grandson of Esau, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. I'm not only going to destroy your wealth, I'm going to destroy your relationships, I'm going to destroy your wisdom, and I'm going to destroy all the, the symbols of your strength. It is going to be total destruction for you because of your pride, because of your heart. An unrepentant heart cannot stand. And so just like I'm using the nation Israel to show that you have to repent from sin, I'm going to show my my purposes in the nation of Edom as to what happens when you don't repent. So, powerful message about a repentant heart and what pride does. So now we'll leave off here. I'll leave the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Can't wait to hear what you've got to say. So from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And we'll see you next time as we continue our study of this fascinating book of Obadiah. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from... Obadiah chapter 1 beginning at verse 4 to verse 9. So in yesterday's study we saw that the great sin of the nation Edom that caused God to say I hate Esau and we have this pointed out in the last book of the Old Testament that's Malachi um, 1 verse 3 which reads but Esau I have hated and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the um, wilderness so it was pride that actually got caused God to actually say this that's the pride of his life and the pride of his heart so pride um, in yesterday's study we defined it as an attitude of a life that declares its ability to live apart from God and this is what the Edomites um, had they had pride so we'll begin our study at verse 4 um, and verse 4 reads, Though you ascend as high as eagles. So here, an eagle, like yesterday we had pointed out, it's, um, you know, it's a sign of deity. So, um, you know, that is meaning, you know, that the, the statement, though you ascend as high as the eagle, it's to become deity. So to they put themselves in God's place. They put themselves, they were lifted up with pride 
and scripture goes on to read and though you set your nest among the stars so um, here in other words you know the sin of satan um, he uh, would actually exalt his throne above the stars he had pride as well and god says i intend to actually bring you down um, and you know we left off you know with another look into the microscope of Esau. So here it says, from there I will bring you down. So the Lord is saying, I will bring you down. So now, you know, we were in yesterday's study, we were looking at, you know, now a microscope was placed on Esau and he has now been um, magnified to the nation Edom. So there's so many descendants of Esau. So he has been um, magnified to that nation, you know, where there's hundred thousands, millions of people. So what was you know, one man and, you know, that attitude that he has is now a whole nation. And we see here, uh, you know, the transformation, you know, once we have that pride, you have this transformation that uh, of into animalism, that, um, you know, that raw ugliness. And that's what um, had manifested in these Edomites. So, you know, when we have pride, we actually descend downwards. We don't, you know, we're not lifted upwards. Uh, we actually de de um, descend downwards as human, as human beings. And so many scholars say, you know, we descended from animals. You know, there's the whole um, uh, evolution. You know, that that's where we actually came from. And there has been, um, you know, study shows. You know, that what these scholars say, there has been this um, upward um, ascension. But there hasn't been an upward ascension. You know, man. Um, even gets to the level as low as um, animals. So today we have people out there who are living like animals, even worse than animals, actually. So we haven't evolved at all. I think we've just deteriorated if we look at our society today. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the theories and, and the teachings of evolution that actually cause people to become psychotic because people are lifted so much up high with pride and, you know, they look... Uh, down upon others and they treat people um, or other people, you know, inhumanly. And that's just not human. Look at Nebuchadnezzar. He, like modern day today, what would call when he, he went nuts, what would call, you know, psychosis. He was, he had psychotic um, tendencies. So today we have people who actually are living like animals. So they have come down from a high plane because God created us, you know, high on a higher plane than animals. So we did not evolve from animals. God created us on a higher plane where he had created, um, you know, where he had created us, you know, higher than animals. So now, um, you know, people have come down to a plane where they don't actually depend on God. They're just prideful and they not only live like animals um they actually live lower than animals so you know the example that dr jv maggie gave it's just a sad picture of humanity today because he gave uh, the following statement no animal can actually get drunk or beat up his wife or shoots at his children or murders or is a homosexual only a man can do this and that's actually just sinking lower than animals. I think if actually animals had the sense that we have, they would actually get offended and say, uh, no, you know, they're not like us. They're actually lower than us. So man, you know, that raw ugliness, once we actually are filled with that pride, that raw, ugly, animalistic side, you know, it comes out. 
So, um, so today man is living lower than, than animals today. And, you know, back in the day, in the time of the Edomites, they were living like that in, um, in Edom and Obadiah, and that was in Obadiah's day. And man can actually go lower than an animal in, and, you know, in his living down here when he actually determines that he is going to live without God, because we're nobody without God. We're all nobodies. So, you know, when we're lifted by pride and we think we can actually depend on our own understanding, then we ascend, descend to a lower plane. So a man didn't come from an animal. You know, um, yeah, there's, you know, so many studies that actually talk about our evolution of where we actually came from and all. But there's also so many, um, you know, um, you know, counter criticisms based on these studies. And man was not... You know, man was actually created um, on a higher plane and um, than he actually um, is today, right now. Because, you know, we're created to a plane that's, you know, higher than animals and we were going to be in charge of animals here on earth and everything here on earth. But uh, he fell and um, he didn't fall up. No, he fell down if we look at our condition today. So verse 5 of Obadiah goes on to read, If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off. Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? So here, what Obadiah is saying is, you know, even if a thief actually came to you, that's to the Edomites, he would actually just get all he actually wanted, you know, he would leave what he didn't want. Uh, so he wouldn't take everything. And, you know, this actually stands true also of um, grape gatherers, as um, the verse actually reads. A grape gatherer would, would actually take what he needs and would leave some grapes. But God says, you know, when he judges, that's, that's the meaning of this, is, of this verse, when he judges the Edomites, when he judges Edom, the, the following is what's going to happen. That's in verse 6. And it goes on to read, Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. Um, you know, other scholars read stripped out. So here, this is, you know, our key verse. When we started in the introductory um, part of this study, uh, Dr. Javi McGee had pointed out that um, this is actually going to, this verse 6 is our key verse. So here it says, um, you know, how Esau shall be stripped out was searched bare. So God has put, you know, Esau under a microscope and it's just enlarging, you know, all the defects. And God says, um, you know, come and look. So he's using Obadiah as the messenger, as the prophet. So, um, you know, he's saying, come and look, look through God's word and look at this man. So if you look at God's word, the things that God hates and the things that God despises, and, and then now he's saying, look at this man. And God says, I hate him. You know, like we have read in the Malachi, oh, um, how I've hated Esau. And, you know, he hates him because of his pride of life. He's turned his back on God and he's actually declared his ability to live without God. And this is uh, the pride of life. So, um, scripture here goes on to read, how his hidden treasures shall be sought after. So um, if we take, 
the microscope here that's being placed on SL and look at SL. So we see why he actually uh, traded his birthright for a bowl of soup as it meant he would be a priest in the family and it meant a relationship to God and he rejected it. And, you know, he would actually... SL is, in other words, is, you know, he would actually rather have a bowl of soup than have a relationship with God. So he rejected God. And, you know, God didn't highlight this when, you know, uh, they were just born. That was, um, you know, when, when they were small boys or when they were growing up. This was highlighted when both Jacob and SL became nations. That's when this was highlighted. This was a microscope was placed on SL because um, SL totally rejected God. He decided to um, leave God out of his life because he was lifted up by pride and he would rather have a bowl of soup than have a relationship with God. That's the lowest of lowest that man can get. You know, you actually just trade um, a relationship with God with something so trivial. So when one reaches that place, one is down on the level of an animal. And, and, and it's, this actually holds true. You know, to reject God like that. Verse 7 goes on to read, all the men of your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. So here Edom was a nation where all the enemies of that day, you know, they just passed it by because it was, um, you know, it was in a rock hewn. It was like hewn in a rock. Um, because, you know, they just couldn't actually spend the time and it was easily defended. And, you know, the enemies just couldn't spend the time um, with it, um, you know, with all the people holed up in the rock-hewn city of Petra. But Nebuchadnezzar was able to actually get spies inside the city and through those spies, he was able to actually take the city. So, you know, they, they the, the, the Edomites, they felt, you know, they had that false sense of security. And they felt, you know, we're protected because, you know, um, our city is in uh, is, is, is hewn in a rock and, you know, nothing can actually come and destroy us. And all the enemies just passed it. Verse eight goes on to read, will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom? So, you know, the Edomites were not only known for being uh, well protected in that rock hewn city of Petra. Uh, in uh, they they actually had developed a wisdom and learning and superstitions as well. So they found the bloody altars that um, you know are on top of the mountains where they actually offered bloody sacrifices to their idols. So they were given over to this, and the people from all nations um, who were heathen came there for the wisdom of these people so um and and you know the edomites instead of getting um wisdom from god um they actually depended on their own understanding and their idol gods and when man can't get wisdom from god they will always turn to such because um once you like in, in, in a previous study i just don't remember what book but i think it's in the new testament dr jiva mcgee had pointed out that you know when you draw away from god you're drawing closer to something else so you know when you substitute you, you know when you when you remove god from your life you're going to replace god with something else you know you're going to 
replace him with either money, work, you know, just things of the world. But something's going to get replaced. Something's gonna, something else is going to become your God. And verse 8 goes on to read, even, um, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau. So, you know, other nations that were going there instead of seeking wisdom from God, they were seeking wisdom from such, you know, where they were offering the bloody sacrifices. Verse 9 uh, goes on to read, Then your mighty men, Otiman, so Otiman is another name for the Edomites. So here it goes on to read, Then your mighty men, Otiman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter so now here from verses 10 to verse 14 obadiah will actually list the reasons that god's going to destroy them so that is he will spell it out um and there are five things that they actually did he's going to list out their attitudes their actions the five actions that um, he actually is going to destroy them so the pride of life is the great sin and it will actually it actually leads to the committing of other sins it's like the sin of sins that's the pride of heart so once you have that pride of heart once you live a life apart from god it actually now manifests into other sins so our philosophy of life you know gradually works its way to our fingers our feet our eyes and all other senses and we will actually express that philosophy in some other ways. So that's our philosophy in life. So if you're not a godly person, like your philosophy in life, if you're a godless person, you will actually lead a godless life. You can't say, oh, no, because I'm a good person. I give, um, you know, I help out here and there. I volunteer here and there. You're a godless person. You're going to live a godless life. So if you're a godly person, you will live a godly life. And God mentions five reasons, that's in the next study, tomorrow's study, five reasons why he punished the Edomites and he would actually punish them in two different ways. So the first way that he would punish them is he would send them into captivity as he did uh, to the nation Israel, but with the exception that the nation Israel would return to be a people, a nation, as they are today. So there's the nation Israel. But... The Edomites would actually, uh, oh, but actually there would come a time when the Edomites would actually cease um, being a nation and would never become a nation uh, again. So they, there are no Edomites today. So they're um, like we hear of Israelites today, but there are no Edomites today. So th 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 these are the two different ways that God punished them. He sent them into captivity and, you know, they're extinct. They're gone. They're Edomites. They, 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 are, they intermarried with the Ishmaelites and others of the desert. And that's part of the Arab world today. So they're different um, types of Arabs. So uh, we have these Edomites who intermarried within um, the Ishmaelites. So God punished them in two ways. And um, he punished them and they went into uh, extinction if you know for lack of a better word and he sent them into captivity because they were filled with pride and once one is filled with pride there's nothing that god can do for you um if you have humility um you know you will receive the grace of god but if you're filled with pride god can do much with you because or anything with you because first of all you're you know 
you've placed yourself as you know in the place of God. You're lifting yourself up. Um, and pride, pride is just something that's evil. People tend, you know, that that ugliness tends to come out from someone who's very pr- prideful, and it's 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 something that you can't actually conceal. Some people try to conceal their pride for a short while, but it's eventually it manifests, it comes out, and you get to see how prideful they are. And it's the sin of sins. You know, once one has a proud heart, um, then, you know, the other sins start coming out. Um, and, and, you know, you see the ugliness, the ugly side of it. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. I hope you all enjoyed this and, you know, you picked out a few things. Um, yeah, so I hope you have a good day. Um, God bless you and stay safe. Bye-bye.